Hi, this is Pastor Joel with Right Response Ministries. Our conviction is that the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. So our mission is to fill the minds of the people of God with the truth of God's Word. This particular podcast is called Church in Crisis, a pastor's thoughts on the coronavirus. Originally, this was just a collection of pastoral addresses that were specifically presented to the members of my local church. But under the prompting of other men and women that I trust, I've decided that perhaps this might be a benefit to the greater church at large. I hope that by God's grace, that proves to be the case. Listen now. One of my big concerns as a pastor throughout all of this is, well, first and foremost, I, I am concerned that the church not simply compromise. I, I think if, if individual Christians and churches choose not to gather for potentially several more weeks, if not several more months, because I think that's what we're looking at, if that's a position that individual Christians and churches take, I just want to make sure that they take it not from from, I, w- I want to make sure that what's motivating them toward that position is not compromise, but conviction. And in order for it to be conviction, it can't just be a feeling. It can't just be a worry, even, or a concern, or a fear for other people's safety. Now, it, it, it has to be, in order for it to be um, a, a, an appropriate, true conviction, it, it has to be a concern for people's safety that's rooted in biblical argumentation. And so that's what I've been doing in, in, in the recent episodes is making an argument for the opposing view. My view is that uh, churches should begin gathering again. Um, not gathering the same way that we used to, but gathering with precautions, gathering safely. For those who are saying that we shouldn't gather, uh, my first concern in all of this is that churches would compromise rather than saying, let's not gather from conviction and having a biblical reason for why. They would simply say, let's not gather because it's just easier and it's safer and it's... Um, it requires less courage. That's my first, con- uh, my first concern as a pastor. Here's my second concern, because I've already addressed that. I just want to make sure that the people who are, are against gathering, even with precautions, no gathering whatsoever, until the bans are lifted, until the numbers are single digits or double digits, um, I think for those people who take that position, my first concern is that it would come out of compromise rather than conviction from the Scripture. I've addressed that. Here's my second concern. My second concern is, assuming that people are taking the position that we shouldn't gather faithfully with a biblical reason, which I've already provided. My second concern is division in the church. My second concern as a pastor is that those who are faithfully saying, from a biblical reasoning, we shouldn't gather at all. And those who are, I believe, faithfully saying, with biblical reasoning, we should gather carefully. My, my, my pastoral concern, one of my greatest pastoral concerns is that both of these positions have biblical reasoning. Both of these positions, I believe, are faithful. Certainly one's wrong and one's right. We're not relativists, but, but we, it's, it's, it is a bit novel, at least as it pertains to COVID-19. This is new for us. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not blatantly clear which position is right and which one's wrong. They both have biblical backing. Therefore, I'm going to say they're both uh, biblically faithful positions. One is right, one is wrong, but we're not really sure So they're both faithful positions. My concern is while two individual Christians in the same local church even, taking two positions that are both faithful, both with biblical support, biblical backing, my fear is that because they're simply taking different positions, 
and because they simply disagree in their positions, even, both, even though both are faithful, both have biblical backing, my concern is that they're going to begin to judge one another. My concern is that people who refuse to gather are going to sinfully and arrogantly judge those who say, no, we should gather, we must gather. And we're not saying that we should gather foolishly, we're saying we should gather with precautions, gathering carefully, gathering wisely, but we must gather because the threat to the soul is now outweighing the threat to the body. We must gather. This is what the Bible teaches. I have my biblical reasons for why. If you haven't heard those, go back to previous episodes, check it out. A person who takes that position, my, my fear is those who say we shouldn't gather no matter what are going to judge them. And likewise, in the same fashion, my fear is those who say we shouldn't gather, we should not gather no matter what, no matter how careful we do, no matter how many pairs of latex gloves we wear, no matter how many masks we wear, like M95, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's six foot, 60 foot, doesn't matter. We should not gather at all. My fear is those who take my position that we should carefully gather would be tempted to arrogantly and sinfully judge those who don't gather. See, see those who are saying we shouldn't gather no matter what, not right now. You're going to be tempted to say that everyone in my camp it's foolish and negligent and doesn't esteem the sanctity of life. And that's not fair. That's not fair. And those in my position are going to be tempted to say that those who don't want to gather no matter what, that they care more about physical life than the soul, that they care more about the temporal than the eternal, and that they're cowards, and that they're capitulating, and that they're compromising. And to be honest... If you're holding the sixth commandment in biblical case law of Exodus 21, verse 28 through 29, as your biblical support for that position, then for me to say that you're being a coward and that you care more about the soul than the body, that's also not fair. Your, your argument is sound. It is a fair, faithful, biblical argument. I can disagree, but I cannot judge your character. I cannot sinfully judge you and say that you're compromising and that you're being cowardly. That would be wrong on my part. And again, likewise, conversely, you cannot say that I'm being foolish and negligent and not esteeming um, the sanctity of human life. So both of us, my concern at this juncture, pastorally, uh, the first thing was what position is right? I spent the first few episodes just trying to figure out what's the right biblical position. Then I tried to spend the last couple episodes saying, um, is there any faithful position other than this position? And I argued, yes, there is. I disagree with it, but yes, there is. In the last two episodes, there's another biblically faithful position. My concern now at this juncture is how do these two positions, these two parties taking two contradicting positions, but we're saying are both biblically faithful. They contradict. One's right, one's wrong, but, but they're both faithful. How do we get along? H how do we, at this point, my concern is, when, when we finally are able to gather as a church, as, as churches all over our nation finally are able to gather, are, is everybody still going to be there? Or are we going to be mad at each other? How, 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 many, how many unintentional church plants are going to come out of COVID-19? Right? I mean, this has been a crisis. In the midst of a crisis, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. We're doing biblical exegesis and applying biblical law to a situation that we've never encountered before, which means we're, we're, we're figuring out our arguments. It's like we're building a plane in mid-flight. Stress is high, which means opinions and emotions are high, especially mine as a pastor. I have strong opinions. You know that. 
So if stress is high, crisis is high, opinions are high, and we're doing exegetical work and applying it to something we've never done before, as, as for all intents and purposes, as, as exegetical novices, as far as biblical application to COVID-19, and all that's going on, and everybody has a very strong opinion, and there are differing position, uh, positions and differing opinions, then the concern at this point is not just, do we gather or don't we gather? That is a concern. And that was the first con- concern. What's right? Do we gather or not? And then the other question was, c- could you take an alternative position and take it faithfully with biblical support? We've covered all that. The last concern I have is this. Are we going to judge each other over this? Are we all going to be self-righteous? Am I going to be self-righteous? Have I been self-righteous? Probably. Are we going to be careful? I, I want to be careful. I have not been perfectly careful. You can, you can detect that in some of the tone. It's just like, this is it. That's my position. I do think that's it. And at the time, I wasn't being super charitable because I, I didn't even see an alternative position that could be taken. I still think it's wrong, but now at least I, I've done the work, I've done the study to say there is an alternative position with clear biblical backing. And I didn't know if there was because all the guys who took the alternative position, they didn't have any clear biblical backing. I, I'm just, I'm going to say that. I think it's fair. They did not have a good, clear biblical backing. They have love thy neighbor. It's a lousy argument. Romans 13, it's a lousy argument. But, but now that I have found a, a solid biblical case for not gathering for the opposing party in the opposing position, I, I wish they would have found it since it's their position. But since they didn't, I found it for them. But now that I've found, them, found it for them, I can see it as faithful. And I can respect it. And now that I'm respecting it, I hope they too can respect mine. And, and my concern as a pastor for my church especially, but churches all over our nation, all over the world at large, is this. ELE. Everybody love everybody. <laughs> Respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to be. Can, can we get along? Can we get along? Our consciences disagree. We have different convictions. But can we see it like that? Can we see it as not just, I have a conviction and you have compromise. Can we see it as, I have a conviction, you have another conviction. Both. Both stemming from, from our understanding of the Word of God. And therefore, we're not relativists. One's right, one's wrong. But as far as we know, right now, just looking at the word, there is a biblical argument to be made on both sides. So it's not saying both are right, but it is saying both are faithful. Both are faithful. And therefore, can we love one another? So you're going to think you're going to mishear me here. You're going to think you misheard me, but I promise (laughs) I'm saying the biblical reference correctly. Romans 14. That's right. You heard it first here. Not Romans 13. Right? It's been quoted here and there and here and there and here and there and I think often misapplied. But Romans 14. Just one chapter further on. Romans 14, verse 3 and 4 says this. Let the one who eats, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Verse 4 now, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That is the servant of the Lord. It is before his own master, before God, 
that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, I know that the context of Romans 14 is talking about food sacrificed to idols and certain meats, right? That's why it says, he who eats and he who abstains. But I think that it applies to this present situation as well. He who abstains from the Lord's Day gathering altogether, who does not go to the Lord's Day gathering, if he does it with a biblical reasoning, why? And I think the Sixth Commandment is the strongest argument to be made from the Scripture. That's a faithful position to take. And he shouldn't be judged. The one who abstains from the gathering during this season should not be judged by the one who partakes of the gathering. Partaking again carefully with the precautions. And the one who partakes of the gathering should not be judged by the one who abstains. So in the same way, the one who eats meat, sacrificed to idols, shouldn't judge the one who doesn't. And the one who doesn't, who abstains, shouldn't judge the one who does eat food sacrificed to idols. Or later on in Romans 14, uh, the example has changed from eating food sacrificed to idols, eating certain meats. It, it's, it's shifted over to drinking alcohol, to wine, right? The one who drinks wine shouldn't judge the one who doesn't. And the one who does not drink wine shouldn't judge the one who does. Well, as it applies to the coronavirus, as it applies to the Lord's Day gathering of local churches to minister the ordinary meat of grace, I think the principle of Romans 14 is absolutely applicable. It's absolutely relevant. If a biblical argument can be made for both positions, continuing to gather carefully or not gathering at all, if, if there's a biblical argument to be made for both positions, then Romans 14 is probably the, the most important chapter in the Bible that we need to be reading and memorizing and praying that God would work into our hearts, that we wouldn't judge one another, that we wouldn't judge. So, so let me end by saying this. As our church is actively working on beginning to gather on the Lord's Day once more, gathering in a new way, certainly, we're trying to find a place to do it and how to do it and all those things so that we can gather wisely, carefully, with the precautions. As our church is doing this, let me say, as a pastor, there are two groups of people that should not come. Not just one. And, 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 and you heard me right. The word is should. Not just two groups of people that may not gather. Once we start gathering again, two groups that should not gather with us who are members in our church, but they should not gather with us. Not just it's permissible not to gather. They may not gather. But I'm saying the, the, the elders and the deacons of our church, the officers would implore and encourage them not to gather. Not just say, hey, it's permissible not to gather. You shouldn't gather. Who are they? Well, the first, uh, you're probably aware of, and it's been said before, and that's those who are physically vulnerable, the elderly, those with pre-existing medical conditions. And that, of course, would assume all those who live, right, and, and are interacting with the elderly, right? So even if you're healthy, but you live with the elderly, or you live with someone with a pre-existing medical condition that's serious, like diabetes or something like that, um, those with those conditions or who are elderly or who live with someone, who fits that criteria. That's, that's kind of what I'm labeling as the physically vulnerable. If you fall into the category of the physically vulnerable, not only is it permissible that you may not gather when we resume gathering, you should not gather. And the officers of our church are not just giving you permission, we are giving you encouragement. We are imploring you, please don't come. We respect that. We are suspending all judgment, anything like that, you have nothing to worry about. Stay home. That's one group. And, and I, we've heard that again and again and again, I think. 
right? Those who are physically vulnerable shouldn't gather, for sure. I mean, the argument has been, should anybody gather? Now, again, I'm saying I think people should. But the physically vulnerable, they shouldn't. But there's one more group, according to Romans 14, that also shouldn't gather. And this is the group that I think has not been addressed. And that is not those who are physically vulnerable, but rather those who are spiritually vulnerable. And when I say spiritually vulnerable, this is what I'm saying. According to Romans 14, it's those who have a weaker conscience. A weaker conscience. Let me explain what that means. This is Romans 14 now. We, We looked at kind of the beginning of the text, the beginning of the chapter. Let's now look at the end. This is the final verse. This is verse 23. Romans 14, verse 23. The Bible says this. But whoever has doubts... Listen to that. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. So Paul's saying it is permissible. It is allowed. There there is an allowance by God himself to eat meat sacrificed to idols. It's not sin. It's not sin. That's God's position in the case of food sacrificed to idols, Romans 14. And yet, if someone doubts though, even though God's saying it's okay, it's not a sin. If a person doubts, then if he still eats, he's going to be condemned. He's going to be eating judgment and condemnation upon his own self, even though in God's eyes, it's permissible. It's okay. Because the eating, why? Because the eating is not from faith. And it finishes like this. Romans 14, verse 23. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Look, whatever decision you make on this very important issue in this very crazy time that we're living in, whether you choose to gather with the church or you choose not to, make that choice biblically and be sure. Make it biblically and make it passionately. Make it with scripture and make it with certainty. Be certain. Because if you doubt, if you're saying, well, I mean, I know that my elder's position, because Joel said this several times, right? If you're a member of the response church and you're saying the elder's position is the the plurality of the elders, maybe they don't all agree, but the majority of elders at the response church say we should meet. We should meet carefully, but we should meet. We should begin, we should resume gathering on the Lord's Day for church. And I know that's the elder's position, so I think I I should just suck it up and do it. Don't, if you're doubting. Don't. Because whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. If you still feel, even though you know that the officers of the church disagree with you and are taking a differing position, if you still feel like the sixth commandment and the esteeming of the sanctity of human life is being thwarted, if a church gathers, no matter how many precautions they take into account, that's still how you feel, and that's still how you read the Word, more importantly than how you feel, that's how you read God's Word, then that means you doubt. You are doubting whether or not it is valid and right for the church to gather, which means when the church gathers, Lord willing, you shouldn't be at that gathering. 
because you will actually be gathering. It says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Well, we could read it like this for you. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he gathers. You will actually be heaping condemnation on your own conscience. You will be searing your own conscience, sinning against your own conscience because you'll be gathering, trying to please the officers of your church and the position that they hold, but, but you won't be gathering according to what you actually think is right as you read the Word of God. You'll be sinning against your conscience. You won't be gathering with faith, and anything not done in faith is sin. So, our church believes it's right to gather. That is, the officers of our church believe it's right to resume gathering. Not gathering the same way, but gathering in a new way, taking many precautions into account. And we're working on that right now as I speak. But once we do gather, there are two groups, two groups of people in our church that I would encourage not to gather. Not just say you may not gather. It's permissible. It's acceptable if you don't know. I'm saying you shouldn't. I'm not just encouraging. I'm imploring you, please, as a pastor, don't gather with us. And we will not judge you for being absent. The physically vulnerable. Everybody knows that. But the second group that I think people do not always think of is the spiritually vulnerable. Those whose conscience is pricked. Those who do not have faith to gather. They see it as sin. If you gather, even out of the motive, the motivation of wanting to, to trust your pastors, if you don't see it, though, in the Scripture, and you think that, that the risk to the body is greater than the, the, the risk to the soul, right? The risk to the body gathering is greater than the risk to the soul by not gathering. And you think that, that it's still not what we should be doing. Then don't judge us. Suspend judgment. Right? Everybody love everybody. Romans 14. But don't come. At a corporate level, don't be divisive. Don't judge those of us who gather. And we'll do our best not to judge you. But for your own personal decision of whether or not to come on Sunday to bring your family go with your gut go with your conscience so long as your conscience has a biblical reason to support it do whatever you do in faith as a special thank you for your gift of any amount we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store to access this offer visit rightresponseministries.com slash offer we highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.